The Secrets of Star Trek is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Star Trek, episode 94. Captain DeBridge. Spock here. Make it so. Surrender is not an option. Attention crew of the Enterprise, this is James Kirk. We are all explorers, driven to know what's over the horizon, what's beyond our own shores. We would have helped you get home if you had asked. That's who Starfleet is. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Star Trek, where we discuss the hidden layers and deeper meanings found in all the Star Trek TV series, movies, and more. And today we're discussing Et in Arcadia Ego, Part 2, the, the season finale for the first season of Star Trek Picard. And joining me today on the panel are Jimmy Aiken. Hi, Jimmy. Howdy, Dom. And Father Corey Stika. Hi, Father Corey. How's it going? Very well, thank you. So, uh, before we get into things, make sure, folks, that you are subscribed to the show, whether in Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, your favorite podcast app or at the SQPN YouTube channel, where you should make sure to hit the bell to get notifications of new episodes. Uh, we're continuing on after this. Uh, we don't know when Dis Star Trek Discovery is going to be starting its third season, but there's lots of great Star Trek that we'll be discussing very soon, including uh, one of the favorite movies, Star Trek IV The Voyage Home. That's coming up very soon, so you don't want to miss that. Uh, so, But let's talk about this one, Star Trek Picard season finale. Uh as the episode begins, we we get a recap, and something came up as in my mind as we as we were seeing the recap of the season. Basically, uh, why I'm not sure I ever got explained. Why did Data's portrait that he painted called Daughter? Why did it look like Soji, Daj, Daj, Sutra, Jana? Did did Maddox model their look after the painting, or was there something more to it? What do you think? I. See, I got the impression when when we were watching when they talked about that initially, that that's exactly what happened. That Data had painted this this image of this this young woman that he called daughter, and I don't know if that was supposed to mean then that like this is a stylized version of Lol, yeah, from way back when or what. But you know, kind of his impression of her or not. But I got the the idea though that they took this painting, and that's what they used as the basis for creating the, the okay. sisters. As they established later in the episode, uh, they reconstructed Data's consciousness from a neuron they'd taken from B4. Yeah. And so, and they could reconstruct all of Data's memories up to just before he he died. And therefore, he had the memory of this painting in there. And so, presumably, that was the reason they, they patterned that series after that painting. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that that that's a decent explanation then, because uh, yeah, because I, I don't yeah, I don't think they ever explicitly said it, but I think that that is a good explanation. Uh, at least uh, we can retcon that in anyway. So <laughs> let's let's talk about the episode itself. So as we as it begins, we have Narek uh, who has escaped from the, yeah, the synths. It and by the way, I want to comment on him. I've meant to do this all series, but um, so Narek is a made up name that they've come up with for a Romulan, but it's also an actual place name in earth history. Oh, uh, Narak is a place. It's a site that is depending on 
which historical borders you're using, either in Armenia or Turkey, which is where it is on a modern map. Mm -hmm. But it's the site where a doctor of the church comes from, Gregory of Narak, uh, one of the most recent doctors of the church. And so it is a name with some uh, historical resonances. But to me, he'll always be Derek. <laughs> yeah, I wonder. There was an historical uh, uh, fact that there was a uh, a Jewish kingdom in that part of the world in the mm-hmm. medieval times, medieval ages. I wonder if that's in that area. The reason I know that is because I read this novel that Michael Shabon, who one of the executive producers, he wrote involving that kingdom and these adventurers going there. Uh, and I wonder if that was part of it. It was a mythical kingdom, if I recall correctly. There had been a Jewish kingdom um, earlier on. I mean, it was in this general part of the world, but it it converted to Judaism uh, about 2000 years ago and actually sent troops to fight in the Jewish war of the 8060s. Oh, okay, Interesting. Interesting. But then there was a later mythical one. I I think it was mythical anyway, where there was like a question of, okay, we're going to convert to either Judaism, Christianity or Islam, which is it going to be? And they chose Judaism. Oh, funny. Okay. Okay. Um, So Derek, Narek uh, sneaks around uh, the, the, into the cube there. And uh, as he sneaks in, Elnor is there with seven and there, he wonders to seven if the XBs would be better off dead because they have no home and they don't belong anywhere. And, Seven responds, I'm an XB. Would I be better off dead? Uh, and he says, no, because I'd miss you, which was very sweet. Yeah. But an in- interesting, you know, what is the point of life? This is a theme that will be be re- relevant throughout this episode is why, you know, is life more than just about, you know, uh, belonging somewhere and having a home? It, do we, does life still have meaning? And they they explore briefly and lightly why seven doesn't just kill herself every day and so it's like wow martin heidegger raises his head in this episode (laughs) (laughs) right (laughs) definitely a very secular view of of, uh what life is about right and that that becomes the well well, yeah that we'll we'll have more talk of that as we go on because that that really drives uh, rises to the forefront uh, by the end uh so it looks like uh drusilla i thought she got off the cube that she beamed off the cube yeah, everybody did. But apparently yeah, that she was kind didn't. of the point. They made it look like she didn't. It was yeah. a nice greeting from her, huh? Nice, nice way she greeted her brother. Yeah. You know, I, I realize we never get her name. Like, we don't we all we have is her undercover name, Narissa Rizzo. We never actually find out what her real name is throughout all of this. Yeah, I'm, I'm assuming Narissa was her actual Narek and Narissa. Yeah. But that, brother and okay. sister. So and Rizzo was her uh, human undercover. assumed name. OK, so. uh Narak admits that he, well, he says he killed Saga, the synth. Uh, we find out later on that that's not true. It's exactly what we thought it was. Uh, but uh, he, for some reason, uh, I'm still trying to figure out why he got away. Like, why did, Yeah. why was he sent? I I believe, and they don't do a good job explaining this, I believe that, um, Sutra wanted to release him and frame him for the killing of Saga so Mm -hmm. that it would provide an illustration of how untrustworthy and synth killing organics are. And thus she could use that to rally the other organics 
to her side to call the giant metal centipedes to kill everybody, mm. which is kind of what Soong talks about later, where he says, you know, you realize that, you know, the death of your of your sisters, death of this other synth saga would be enough to rally the the other synths around your cause. Right. Right. It's very. And they yeah. they didn't just connect the dots Battlestar Galactica wise and have Saga but wait she's a sense she can just download into a new body death doesn't mean anything to us right unless you jab him in the eye I guess but yeah yeah <laughs> so uh so meanwhile Soji tries to justify her actions to Picard by saying organics never gave synths any choice whether they could live or die but of course the the Federation had has only known three sentient synths and decided long ago that sentient synths have the right to self-determination in the measure of the man from TNG, uh, that the ban, like they, th- these synths act as if the ban on synths was a proactive attack on these guys when it's really was just, you know, all we know is that these rogue synths who are barely sentient, w- w- they need to be banned. Like it was just a well, weird, it's a weird justification. Well, but they're, you think of it, though, they're basically in an echo chamber. They don't really know anything outside of their planet except what they've heard from Soong and, and Maddox. Uh, Bruce Maddox. Yeah. So they they don't know probably as well as they think they do the history of Data and Lore and B4 and all that. They don't know the history of you know all this stuff going on that we know, you know, but they, they're just they, they're. And they kind of imply that in the series about how they, they've basically been stuck on this planet with a couple of hermits. Right. Yeah, though they don't, they could do more than they do to communicate that she has, because she's been off planet. Yeah. Um, you know, she's she's been interacting with other people. And they, I, I what I wanted Picard to do was say, look, don't, you're you're not simply the victims here. We've been victims too. Um, bunches of your uh, bunches of even though they weren't Sung style androids, bunches of androids killed bunches of us. So right. this is this is not a one way street here. Um, also, what do you think has happened with all of us as since? You think we've never had groups of people that were oppressed by other groups of people? This isn't an organics versus sense thing. This is an everybody trying to survive thing. And right. despite the fact that at various points in history, every group has been the downtrodden group, we've managed through the Federation and through intergalactic whatever treaties to be able to get to a modus vivendi where we can live together without genocide, without universal genocide or universal oppression. And now we just need to include you into that family as well. And it's going to involve negotiations and it may involve wars at times, but it's not a universal organics always downtrod sense thing. Right. Only one of us can can live uh, in this universe. <laughs> they can they can only be one. The- I was just thinking, you know, the universe isn't big, big enough for the both of us. <laughs> right, right. So, yeah, yeah. That, I mean, it, what Picard does say is, is, you know, that to say you have no choice is a failure of imagination, which is fine as far as it goes, but doesn't really encapsulate. It's a bit glib, <laughs> frankly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I think they were reaching for a profound statement, but it doesn't really encapsulate the best argument here. 
And there's a lot to live for on this planet. I mean, they have color-changing butterflies. It, yes, well, also the synthetic mm-hmm. ones, but still, they're really yeah. cool. Uh, mm-hmm. So Narek tells Drusilla that uh, he wants to use grenades, the grenades that he finds on the cube, to destroy the ship-killing flowers so they can't stop the Romulan fleet, although there's only 15 of those and 218 ships. Nevertheless, uh, he, he tells Drusilla he wants her to stay behind to bring the weapon system of the cube online, which raises an interesting question. That the cube plays no part in the forthcoming battle with the yeah. even from well, seven. It's one of one of the first of the fake outs in this episode that are kind of irritating where you've got these uh you know, oh you got this big cube that you think they should be able to get flying and do all, all these, kinds of damage and everything. Yeah. And they just completely fake it out. This it sits on the sideline the entire time. Even shooting from the surface, it should be do something. You know, I just I felt mm, a little yeah. a little disappointed. Dramat- the dramatically they've they promise the uh viewer that the cube is going to play a role right but then it doesn't and the real the real reason that they have this whole cube subplot is to let seven of nine kill drusilla that's right. that's supposedly. really what's happening here yeah supposedly Yes, because if this were Star Wars, she would survive the fall down the big... Well, I mean, first of all, we know she can beam out. Secondly, as you always like to say, Jimmy, no body, not dead. Right. <laughs> that's right. That's yeah. Right. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's... The other thing that happens is uh, is uh, Narek reveals uh, he was always the family disgrace. He was the Zatvash washout, apparently. Um, and she says their parents died for this. So, interesting little little bit of reveal at the end of this. Um, and then as Narek leaves the cube, we see Elnor follow him out. So Elnor realized he was there and, and is uh, following him. Uh, meanwhile, uh, uh, this was a bit of a fun scene. Rios and Rafi have this tool from the synths to that uh, they're going to use to make the impossible repair that, that uh, Rios says uh, for the ship. And uh, they had to use their imagination, or it's, it's a it's a whiz bang imagination tool. At this point, I said to myself, uh, they should use this tool to fix Picard. I mean, because this tool is apparently a, a sonic screwdriver that can fix anything, just waving it over stuff. Well, uh, but you would you assume is is a synth device that can only work on non organic. Yeah, things, yeah, like the yeah. ship. But like a sonic screwdriver, it has a point and think interface. So it's exactly that. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. It's uh, it's essentially. Which, by the way, we we will never see this device again in the coming seasons. No, because it, it it's a it would fix everything ever all the time everywhere. Like if it could, like it's it would remove all drama from the show. It's a drama killing device. Uh, so we we get a little bit more. We see Agnes again. She's planning on doing something other than help the synths, even though that you know she kind of said that at the end of the last episode. So we knew, we knew she's planning to betray them to in, uh, in favor of the, the organics. And this was interesting because she totally faked out Sutra at yeah. the end of the previous episode, even though she was presumably measuring her pupil dilation and stuff as a lie detector. Yeah. And I love the, I love the way that even though she uses a, a slightly off color word, I love the way that she, um, is psyching herself up for the betrayal because she's just been talking right. to Dr. Alton Sung, mm-hmm. who has referred to her as the mother of these scents. And then he walks out of the room and Agnes, you know, who who has confidence issues, says to herself, you can do this. And then she says, 
I'm not their mother, you a hole. Yeah, right. <laughs> and it's like right. Alice is getting a little bit, uh, a little <laughs> bit uh, saucy here. Okay. Yes, she's getting a little you bit know, of a backbone. Well, I like that how she fakes out Soong. And someone, uh, one of the commentators I've seen online, said, "Did she know about him?" And you know, I don't think she necessarily would have had to. Bruce Maddox may have never mentioned a word about Soong. He may not even met Soong until after he had to go into hiding. Right. In the novel, yeah, there's but, no indication of that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but uh, it would be easy for her to basically, you know, stroke his ego a little bit. Oh, he says you're so he always said you were so great at hacking, you know, encryption. Oh, right. but of, but of course I am. Yes, absolutely. And of well, course, she's like, yeah, yeah, I never knew you existed till we set foot on this planet. <laughs> but hey, you don't need to know that. One thing Sung's the Sung family never lacked in was ego. <laughs> so, well, <laughs> notice the fact, of course, Data looks like him, and also the computer voice that Sung is using is, is his voice. Is also his voice, yes. Which which goes back to also the EMH, by the way, from Voyager. <laughs> there seems to be a pattern. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so Narek shows up at La Serena, uh, where uh, Rafi and Rios are, and proposes to work with them to stop the synths and. Uh, he tries to convince Rafi and Rios of what the synths are planning, since since they weren't there, by the way, when everything went bad, if you remember, uh, they weren't there when the, the synths turned on Picard and the others. And uh, Elnor, Elnor interrupts by you yeah. know, putting the sword to Narek's face and you know gives him in Romulan the uh, choose to live. And, and his, I very much choose to live. I'm not like the others. I do want to live. Please. Thank you. <laughs> now, am I the only one who wanted to see what a photon torpedo would do in that close range? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Right. I love that line. <laughs> I find it interesting. He then gives Narek uh, then gives them a lesson in Romulan mythology. Yes. And around the fire. Also interesting yeah. by the campfire. Yeah. Uh, yeah. By the campfire. Yeah. yeah. He also, though, make, has a passing reference to before our ancestors first arrived on Vulcan. So he implies that their right. species had uh, was not native to either Romulus or Vulcan. That, that they was had... originally from TOS, actually, that implication. Well, there were. In, yeah. I mean, back in uh, this side of paradise or it's, it's the Return American to tomorrow. Indian episode. Yeah, Return re- to tomorrow. Yeah. Well. In the American Indian episode, there is the implication that Vulcans and others had been seeded by some progenitor race. Right. And uh, but this is the first time they've picked up on that in ages. Yeah. Very interesting that the, the, yeah. this, I, I'd love to explore that more, that, that, that those origins uh, and maybe that progenitor. What would they call them? The the, the, the race that seeded the galaxy with life. Um, oh, there was a, a TNG did right. a couple episodes on that, but I would like to see that more. Yeah, although that one was such that it implied that the seeding had occurred before the stage of sentient life. That's true. That's true. Right, 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 right. That's, that's a different one. So um, uh, around the campfire, he tells the story of the Ganmadan, which is their apocalypse, the two sisters, the foreteller and the destroyer. The foreteller will die and the destroyer will use a horn to summon the demons to kill everyone. And he says, history always repeats itself. So uh, apparently the uh, the the great Australian Catholic <laughs> uh, historian, what's his name? Um, Sent. Um, oh, I had it. Santayana, right? Who said that that was the first one to use that line? Um, oh, his, South American. South. I'm sorry. Yes, yeah, South American. Uh, who says uh, history? Uh, history uh, repeats itself. I think is what it was. I was, I was just going to say it's just more Battlestar Galactica. It's like the first <laughs> verse of the Gospel of Pythia. Or, all of this has happened before, and all of this will happen again. Or, or, 
or the wheel of time, the wheel yeah. of turns. Yeah. Well, uh, the Santiana's line was uh, those who do not learn history are doomed to repeat it. I think is what he's what he said. But Which uh, that's, that's a little more accurate. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, we also find out, by the way, when we talk about uh, 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 Agnes messing with Alton and Saga, she uh, takes Saga's other eye, the undamaged one. She takes she rips it out of Saga's head. Uh, which is a little off off camera. Off camera, we don't we don't, see we don't have that. to see it. Yes, thank you. We do like see the, the eye eventually. She's squirming. She's just like, Ugh. she's a she's a doctor. She's a medical doctor, and she's just squeamish at pulling well, this eye out. I'm, I actually I have a feeling that most medical doctors would feel a little squeamish about pulling an eye out of a body, even out True. of a synth. <laughs> um, I don't know. There's well, um, doctors are sometimes at least surgeons are a different breed. <laughs> they are. Yes, yes they yeah. are. <laughs> uh, we oh, by the, around the campfire, we do actually see the nighttime electrical storms. Finally, <laughs> the the ones that this planet is supposed to be famous for. Um, so the plan is to sneak the explosives into Synthville by pretending that Narek is their prisoner, Rafi and Rios, uh, and they'll have to surrender their bags and weapons. But Rios hides the explosives in his soccer ball, uh, which I thought he would uh, would eventually be. He's going to kick into the tower. I thought that was going to be the the resolution, the, yeah. the uh, antenna tower. Uh, but uh, I'm glad they didn't do that. Yes. Now, when they left Synthville. They were friends with the synths. So shouldn't they wonder or shouldn't like they, they know what's really going on. But shouldn't they be wondering why they're being treated with hostility and suspicion as they come back? You, you know, I mean, I thought that they they kind of dropped the no, no pun intended, kind of dropped the ball on that a little bit. Uh, but it's a minor. I mean, it can loss. be it can be as simple as Narek shows up on their ship and tells them, by the way, I killed one of them. And that's right. why I'm running. Right. Right. I mean, right. So they have they have uh, the Narek with them. So maybe that's why. Yeah. Um. So Agnes uses Saga's eyeball to open the retina lock on Picard's door, which uh, apparently they're still using retina scans in in the 24th century instead of, I don't know, like full body, body da- DNA scans. Yeah. 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 But, but it know. looks really cool. It looks really cool, though, because it's got like the little laser beams that scan, you know. <laughs> right. Because it's sci-fi. So uh, and then Alton Sung, when he comes back and finds what uh, Agnes has done to Saga, but he sees that Saga's last memory is of Sutra stabbing her in the eye so it was sutra who stabbed her yeah uh, pov yes uh <laughs> literally point of view that's not a point of view i want to have uh, oh and uh picard and agnes end up they sh- they they have taken off from synthville and now they're at la serena while rafi and rios are back in synthville and uh, they're trying to stop the romulans until starfleet can arrive but they also have to stop the synths from doing what they do and uh and so they so they have- at yep. this point, the episode fragments and we have multiple overlapping action scenes right. where it, it we're just hopping from one place to another, watching action that follows the usual dictum, or at least my usual dictum. Nothing right. interesting will happen until the end of the action sequence. Yeah. Right. Nothing um, that moves the plot forward. Right. There's a couple of nice beats. We have Agnes who says Picard takes command of the La Serena. And Agnes says, make it so, um, you know, so a little bit of fan service there. Um, Sung confronts Sutra, like we said before. Um, and he says uh, he understands the reasons behind her actions to give the others uh, an emotional jolt to persuade them. But of course, reason isn't everything. You know, the, I don't know. It's, it's, it, uh, you can't kill somebody just to give everyone else an emotional jolt. That's psychopathy. Right, yeah. right. And this is kind of going, going, kind of going back to the discussion from last episode between 
uh, Soji and Picard about, you know, about death, you know, about killing people and, and, you know, balance, uh, balancing out, you know, the need, you know, needs of the main needs of the few and all that. Right. Uh, this, this is of course the moment when Sung kind of switches uh, allegiances here. He, he realizes the, pr- the problem that's going on here. Like he's got the little zapper machine. He's got the remote control that turns him off. Yeah, he basically turns off Sutra at the key moment. And Sutra's basically out of it. This is done. She's done. That's like She's Sutra's done. part in For the now. drama is, yeah, is completely removed. And so it becomes all about Soji, who uh, intercepts the bomb that that uh, that gets thrown by Rios. In fact, it's not just the soccer ball. He takes the, the soccer ball, opens up, he takes the bomb out and throws it, which uh, I don't know. I felt like it should have just, he should have kicked the soccer ball and have it explode. But, but anyway. Yeah, I, I agree. But once again, the bomb is yet another misdirection. Oh, yeah, we've got this super mega bomb, you know, the super mega yeah. grenade that's going to blow everything up. And oh, never mind. It just blows up in the sky. Yes. And, and so it gets, um, it gets thrown away. Yeah. And Soji has to, uh, they have to convince Soji to change her mind. Seven confronts, like we mentioned, Seven confronts Nerissa. They have a fight. She throws Nerissa off the high place and says, this is she for you. yeets her or defenestrates her into a Star Wars-like reactor pit. <laughs> exactly. Um, meanwhile, the Romulans arrive and Commodore O, or now Sub-Commander O, or Commander O, whatever she's calling herself, as mm-hmm. Riker says, gives an order for planetary sterilization, so it's time for flowers up. Oh, um, not just planetary stabilization, uh, uh, sterilization. sterilization. Pattern number five, which means that the yeah. Romans have at least five different uh, ster- planetary sterilization patterns. First person, right. I'm more a fan of number 13, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. I always have been partial to plan nine from outer space. <laughs> yeah. There you go. But of course, you know, we have to amp up the drama and it can't be just start firing now. It's got to be get everything in place, get yes. everything targeted, do this, do this, do this. And oh, it's too late now. Yeah, and with the 200 ships there and the orchids coming up, I now have in my notes, big confusing mess on screen. Yes, yep. the, a la Transformers. <laughs> so, um, with, with Picard wh- zipping in the middle of it all. should mention that there, there was a reference, uh, Agnes references the Picard maneuver, which yep. has two meanings in Star Trek. Which, which uh, uh, Patrick Stewart had forgotten the original meaning of. Yes, the, the in-universe the scene stuff. Yeah. Which and he mentions it was a, it was a, on the stargazer and it made the the stargazer appear to be in two places at once, uh, but the of course the fan understanding is uh, Jonathan Frakes referred to that motion that they all had to do by you know pulling down their tunic as they sat uh, oh, yeah. as the as the Picard maneuver. So I, I thought that was <laughs> uh, a, a nice reference. Um, in fact, Patrick Stewart says in the behind the scenes uh, video that he he in at least one take straightened his shirt as she said it he did the he did the pull but uh, they decided not to use that take (laughs) that's funny yeah but they did now decide to do something similar where they use the uh, sonic screwdriver to make dozens and dozens and dozens of images of their ship Mm -hmm. uh to fake out the romulans into thinking there's more than there actually are and they make them look like they've just warped in so right. you have that yep. whoop, 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 whoop effect yep. with all the fake La Serena's warping in. And this doesn't last very long because, no. of course, it can't. As you shoot at no. them, nothing happens. So, right. It's kind of the whole it's kind of the whole of mirrors thing. If you start smashing mirrors, the reflections disappear. Right. Same well, kind of deal. They're just they're just holding on until Starfleet will shows up at the last second, as they always do. Uh, I do want to mention that Picard tells Soji at this point that he's going to give his life in order to change the synth's minds. He wants to sacrifice himself to show that he, you know, here's an organic who's willing to sacrifice himself because yeah. he means something to her now. So that, that, that's an interesting 
that, that character moment. And this is one of the things that ends up changing her mind. And also his brain problems are coming back. Right. He's yep. this thing is uh, the, the aromatic this syndrome is, the is killing him. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but so Soji's like, I so don't care. I'm turning on this transmitter. Yes. And uh, the, as this sp- hole in space time opens, the uh, these higher level synths start to come through these. And we Which, actually had a. Uh, some giant view- evil metal centipedes. Yeah. A listener's, yeah. Uh, we got some listener feedback actually on this that I wanted to mention. Uh, we usually read, you know, read that in, uh, at, you know, in the next episode, but I want to mention it now uh, because it's relevant. He said, uh, this reminded him of a, a, a movie or I'm sorry, a video game called mass effect uh, mm-hmm. where it, it, it does not all important, but it, it has to do with uh, evil uh, or synths who, when a civilization reaches a certain level of development, has to wipe them out, which is a very similar to this. Mm. And they look like giant space uh, metallic space squids. So he thought that it was very interesting mm-hmm. that they chose this particular imagery for it. Uh, th- I thought that was interesting. What, what it also looked like to me was from Discovery Season 2's Future Control. Yeah, um, which was also metal tentacle oriented, and I I thought there's a connection there. They maybe should have, or maybe someday will explore that. Like maybe I, that was uh, maybe what happened with control was artificial life developed to a certain point and called in the centipedes. Yes, very mm. yeah, very interesting. I'm, I, I, like you, I'm a little surprised they didn't make more of it. I'm and I'm interested to see if that if they will at some point. Yeah, because you you know you know they want to make that connection. I think it would have been kind of an interesting thing, but of course they wouldn't do it because it wouldn't ramp up the drama the way they want to ramp it up is it turned out that by this point, humanity had actually gotten beyond these advanced synths. Yeah. You know, so these supposedly advanced synths, actually humanity could handle them. It would be like fighting the Borg was back in TNG. It was a major battle, but they could handle them. Right. Instead of these super mega bad guys that are, you know, millions and billions of years older than humanity. Right. Yeah. So, meanwhile, uh, Starfleet arrives Mm -hmm. with acting acting Captain Riker in command, and he's been, like, reactivated himself in duty. Um, He, uh, we have some interesting diplomacy happen here, because um, Commodore O is like, we have a a claim on this planet, get out of here. And Mm -hmm. he's like, actually, Picard's earlier message got through, and that supersedes yours so we have the earlier claim on this planet and per the treaty of algernon you get out of here instead um <laughs> yeah. that sets us up for a romulans versus federation fight so my uh my notes say big huge screen mess incoming um <laughs> but that's largely subverted by picard giving a patented picard jeffrey winger trust speech about uh, that's why we're here to save each other and he manages to convince soji to deactivate the uh transmitter at which point the giant metal centipedes retract mm-hmm. right. and i'm like really this is like so if you think about it you're a giant metal centipede and you, your purpose is to wait until you're summoned to save some synthetic life that's in trouble, and then you go in and wipe out all the organics. So you've gotten the go signal, and you're already you've, you're part way through the wormhole you've opened up, so you can wipe out all the organics. And, oh, and then the transmitter that summoned you just stops transmitting. 
it doesn't even send a stand down, we're good now message. It right. just stops transmitting. If I'm a metal centipede, my thought is the organics have shut down that transmitter. I better go in and fulfill my mission. Right. But I, instead, they just retract. Or reopen a my, new wormhole. <laughs> yeah, well, my, my sense is that it's the transmitter that opens the wormhole, not the, the, the sense. Yeah. But, now, why do yeah. these advanced synths not do that? Yeah. Well, why don't they open one of, from their side? Yeah, I mean, they, they apparently have the technology. Yeah. It's yeah, it, that that's a bit of a another another one of those plot holes. But, you know, by, by the by the way, real future Riker looks a lot better than the all good things future Riker. <laughs> Let's just say that he yeah. looks a lot better. Uh, well, I wonder <laughs> if Jonathan Frakes decided that uh, when they showed his uh, fake future Riker back in the 80s that he didn't want to end up like that <laughs> in the future yeah. and, and had started to live it a little better. But uh, we'll see. Uh, so they. uh the Romulans stand down all of a sudden. They stand down. That's why we're here to save each other. And yeah, the and they stand down. Um, Riker threatens to. He says, "Give me a reason to blast you." And they they back off. And make uh, my day, Romulan. <laughs> and, I mean, uh, it, you know, it, it, when I, I first watched this, I was almost kind of disappointed. I wanted to see a little bit of the battle, even yeah. just you know a minute or two of it. But then it kind of makes sense if you think about it, because the Federation may not be at its strongest, but it, it's still an intact. Uh, empire, for right. lack of better terms, intact organization. The Romulans are still dealing with the after effects of the, of the uh, supernova planet being destroyed yeah. and their, their whole empire being destroyed. So it kind of makes sense that maybe at this point, the Federation is farther in technology than the Romulans are. Right, right. Yes. They're, or at least stronger. They could, a war yeah. between the Federation and, the Rom- and whatever remains of the Romulans would be a very bad thing for the Romulans. And so that's probably why yeah. Commodore o steps down. Or stands down. So Riker and Picard say goodbye. Uh, and just as- and, and Riker leaves without even leaving a ship in orbit to <laughs> like protect this volatile situation. I mean, how do you know that some Romulans aren't going to cloak and come right back? You only need one Picard's Romulan there, to come back. You know. <laughs> yeah. So Picard's there. Everything's going to be fine because Picard's there. Right. Well, Picard starts to succumb to his brain thing. And Soji beams them down. S- says adieu yes. to Riker. Yes. Yes, he does. Yep. Uh, so Soji beams Picard and Agnes down and leaves Lassrander in orbit, and he dies yeah. in the midst of them. Yeah, and we have 19 minutes until the end of the show. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and t- at least two more seasons. <laughs> right. Yeah. right. Well, but well, I mean, dramatically, no. we've wrapped up the major action in around 40 minutes, and we still got 20 minutes left. Right. We know there's now, more to come. I, here's here's my thought. Of course, we would never do this on U.S. television. This just does not happen on U.S. television. That the whole idea of three seasons of Picard was a fake out. That this was actually the death of Picard. The whole purpose of this first season, this one season, yeah. was to close out Picard's character. And then the rest of the crew goes on to a different series. Yeah. That they called, quote unquote, Picard season two. That would have been a very interesting point to this death. However, yeah. this is U.S. television. We don't do that. This isn't <laughs> Japanese anime. <laughs> where they do that all the time. Right, right. They're, they were, they're not going to kill the golden, the golden calf on this one. They, yeah, that's, oh, the golden goose. Sorry. They're not going to kill the golden goose. Patrick Stewart. Yeah. Um, so we have these scenes where uh, everyone's sitting around being sad. Meaningless scenes, it turns out. I'm sorry, what? Me- I'm sorry, meaningless. These scenes end up having no emotional no, resonance. No, they do. I think they do. They work okay. for me. All I right. mean, as as someone who has been through the death of a close loved one and more than one close loved one, um, this is what it's like when someone dies. 
Uh, You sit around and you don't know exactly what to do, but you're hurting and you're sad, but you're also not totally weeping at this particular moment. Right. Right. And you have these kind of awkward, you know, trying to comfort each other, but not really sure what to do. And so Seven and Rios are talking to each other uh, about how they both had made resolutions and then went back on them. Mm -hmm. Seven's was never kill anybody because it's what they deserved, but she's just done that to Drusilla. And so Seven obviously isn't from Texas where he needed killing as a legitimate, <laughs> uh, you know, just Defense. excuse for justifiable homicide. Right. Um, Rios was never let another captain into his heart and then watch him die. Another uh, self-righteous all... captain. <laughs> Which was huh? Another self-righteous captain uh, into his yes. heart. Yes. Yeah. Then we have Rafi and Elnor talking and Rafi is, I really like Rafi. And when she's, yeah. uh, when she's, doing her good side she is so great she is so motherly and yep. she's being mm-hmm. a mother to elnor who of course with absolute candor is willing to just break down and cry yes and yep. and and these are all fine i i thought because even though i saw now i didn't see it before the episode started which is when i should have seen it but i right. did see it 15 minutes before they actually did it that picard is going to go into the golem as as yeah. soon as Picard had brain problems in this episode, I said he's going into the golem. Yeah. yeah. And so even even though we now have a Picard copy in a synth body, I would still mourn the real Picard because the real Picard is dead. Well, and to to be fair, did, did at, at right after he died, they had no idea that you would assume Gerardi and, and Soong would have done anything like this. Well, that this was kind of my point was, it's not that their grief wasn't real, but that they undercut all that grief by bringing the character back in one way or another. And we could talk about the, the, from a, the, a philosophical and Catholic point of view, uh, whether he actually is back or not, but they, they, they have these moments of grieving and I guess that's fine, except, except they, then they undercut it by, yeah, and and the and the audience grieving because we know he's not really dead too, or the character's not well, gone forever. Since since this isn't anime, and since his name is in the title, the audience knows right. that he's not yeah. really dead, and right. not from the show's point of view. Right. So it's a mixed thing. I think it's legitimate to have these scenes, but yeah, they're not as strong as if there were no synth Picard now. Right. Yeah. I mean, I I would compare this. Just thinking of this off the top of my head, you know, compare this to. When they, when the audience first saw uh, Wrath of Khan at the end, when Spock dies, yeah, not knowing there's going to be a third movie where they bring him back, right? I mean, that was a much more real thing for the audience to gr- themselves grieve the loss of this beloved character. But yet we watch this, and we know, like you said, we still got 15 minutes left in this episode, and, and two more seasons, oh, and two more seasons <laughs> with the name of this character. I think the character's coming back. Yeah, yeah. So let's let's talk a little bit about you know whether Picard is dead or not. I mean, he's dead. He's dead. He's dead, and you just have a simulation of him. Right. You Done. have a okay. machine <laughs> with his consciousness. Which, although to be fair, um. This this Picard and everyone else on this show are died a long time ago. The first time they transported, right in the in the uh, transporter murder machine. No, that's that's <laughs> ambiguous. They they play that both ways. Okay, but but this is a much more clearly like from a from a real standpoint, you can't you can't just transfer a consciousness. You can't copy it into 
a, a mechanical body and consider that to be the same person, right? Right. I mean, for, for, from a, from a, uh, definitely from a Catholic standpoint, uh, we you know we would say no, his soul is gone. This might be a copy of the electrical impulses that made up his his physical brain, and it might have the same personality and memories and everything. It's just. It's not him. It's a mechanical yeah. copy of the original person. Right. This is Swamp Thing. He may think he's Alex Holland, but he's really not. He's <laughs> okay. an Earth yeah. elemental that has the memories of Alec Holland. Okay. Um, then let's talk about data. D- did I heard some fans were upset that they they had euthanized data? Is, was data euthanized in this, or was data already dead and they just turned off a machine that seemed like data? Data never lived. Oh, I mean, data, you know, data was never alive. Okay. Yeah. yeah. This is, they, they have, and, and he's not even, I mean, they can, they can totally bring him back now if Brent Spiner wants to at some point. Right. All they did, all they did was take out the thumb drives. Well, he's still yeah. on those thumb drives. Yeah. Well, he's exactly. still in every neuron in, in Soji's head, right? Yeah. They can reconstruct data from all those neurons. Well, this, this goes back to the, the classic, especially TNG and on trope of, you can only have one copy of a piece of data. Right. You know, because there's always a joke about, you know, like the, the, holog- the, the, the Voyager hologram, the, the EMH. The only way that they, they could only have one copy of him. They couldn't make 500 duplicates. So all they did was they just deleted data's files. I don't think they even deleted them. I think they just turned, put, took the Could thumb be. drives out of the machine. They well, just shut off the simulation. Yeah, that's why a better way to put it. Why didn't they download data into a new body anyway? Like, why did they leave him in the, in the simulation? Oh, I think that this was the first golem they had. But yeah, they, so the, the story the story is well, that this is but they built this all the other the first uh, mind the transference they talked about. That, that's yeah. it. That's the real reason. It's because they have had synth bodies before, but they haven't had mind transference before. Correct. Oh, correct. Okay. That was that was the thing that Soon was working on because this golem, of course, was supposed to be his Soon, his golem. Right. Which they make it sound like it was this big sacrifice for him. He can just make yeah. another. He's still alive. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. He can make a dozen of them if he wants. <laughs> right. Keep them all in the so, back. So we've kind of gone to talking about the philosophical implications of all this. We should back up and talk about what happens dramatically on yeah. the screen. Yes. Right. So Picard, after our after our scenes of people sitting around being sad, um, as as you do. As you do. Uh yeah. Picard opens his eyes and and he's in a, a like a sitting room and Data's there and Data explains that this is a massively complex quantum simulation. And right. they have this bonding moment where they talk to each other about their respective histories. This version of Data's consciousness, he explains, came from a neuron that was taken from lore, and that was from shortly before from before, I mean. Yeah. And yeah. and that neuron was uh implanted with his memories just before he went to die. So he doesn't actually remember his own death. Whereas Picard's consciousness here was taken from his neurons just after he died. So he does remember dying. Um, They talk about their pasts. Uh, Picard says to data that I dream about you all the time, Mm -hmm. which is true. Um, mm-hmm. as I've said, as someone who has lost multiple people close to me, yes, you dream about them all the time, mm-hmm. uh, even after they're gone. Um, we have some interesting philosophical stuff where Picard tells Data that he regrets um, what happened with Data, and mm-hmm. Data kind of turns it around on him and says, well, if you'd sacrificed yourself for me, would 
do you regret that choice? And he says, no. And well, then why would you imagine that I would regret sacrificing my life for yours? And so we have some resolution for Picard's feelings about what happened with Data. Data is telling him, hey, no, I would make the same judgment. I'm okay with it. Uh, And then he he goes all Martin Heidegger-y. And hmm. and wants to commit suicide and says, you know, terminate my consciousness when you go back, uh, walk into the light. And <laughs> yeah. um, and he's and he and he says, why you want to die? And and he says, data says, no, I, I want to live however briefly knowing that my life is finite. And this actually goes back to uh, the TNG two parter times arrow. Mm-hmm. where they went back to San Francisco where Data's head had been sitting in a cave for 500 years and they all interpreted that to mean Data dies even though, duh, he's a robot. Just mm-hmm. plug in the thumb drives again and he'll be fine. Yep. Um, but he talked there in that, in those, in that two-parter about how he wanted to, uh, or how he'd always assumed that he would outlive everybody he knew so he would have the Doctor Who problem. And he would eventually make new friends, but he himself would not experience mortality. And he kind of liked the idea of doing that. And here he opines to Picard wrongly that Mm. it is mortality that gives our lives meaning, which is so not true. It is not mortality that gives our lives meaning. It is love. Yes. Mm. Yes. Which ironically is something they talk about in this very scene. Where where Picard tells Data that my great regret is never telling you how much I loved you, and Data saying that knowing that Picard loved him forms a small but statistically significant part of my memories, which is his way which of saying I love you too. Which is a high compliment. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, but you're right. Yeah, mortality. I mean, mortality forms a a boundary, uh, a a bond, a bound, a border mm-hmm. on on mm-hmm. life. But what gives that life that has borders meaning is love. You're right. Life without love is meaningless. Mortality is what gives stories meaning because it creates drama, but it's not what gives lives meaning. Well, it's that very much that that mindset of, you know, anything we accomplish, anything we do is because we want to produce something that's going to outlast us. You know, again, this is this is, you know, Heidegger and that kind of philosophy of, well, you know, the only reason why you have children is because you want offspring who will live beyond your life. The only reason why you build that business, you build that building, you do this, you do that is so you have something that outlives you. It's like, no, that's yeah. not why we do that. In fact, they say peace, love and friendship are precious because we know they cannot endure, which is entirely false. They actually yeah. do endure beyond this life because yeah. we are not mortal. <laughs> you know, our our bodies do die here, but we are we exist forever. We have an immortal soul. Our right. soul lasts forever. Right. In fact, in the in the uh, behind the scenes videos, the producers talk about this and they said that the idea was to emphasize that there's no difference between synths or and organics as people. And if there isn't, why should there why should there be, a, you know, why should there be a difference? You know, um, it's the same body, you know, but it isn't. Picard is not no. you know, a, a synthetic body is not a human body. And Picard is not the same. And then they say, once an AI thinks like us, thinks beyond us and can feel emotion like us, what's the difference between us and them? That's what Alex Kurtzman says. 
And I'm like, everything. They can't feel emotion like us. <laughs> right. they, they may act like it. They may talk like it, but they're just passing a Turing test. Yeah. I mean, the, the, there's every difference between us and them. And it, it, the, it's, yeah, it's really not no, no different than saying a, a dog has emotion. Dogs well, have learned behaviors. They have reactions, but a dog doesn't feel emotion the same way we do. I I think well, I think there we probably have a difference of opinion. I think dogs do have emotions, but they're on the organic side of the organic um, synthetic divide. And dogs actually do have souls. They have sensitive souls rather right. than rational souls. But um, but I would say they're on the same side of the ontological divide as we are. Well, yeah. I, okay, maybe. I- Maybe difference of phrasing, but yeah. I, I, I don't I would not say that a dog's emotion is the same as the emotion of a rational being like so, a human. No, it's not enough to give them rights. Yeah. No. Yes. A dog doesn't love the same way a human loves. That's for sure. Like a dog's love, quote unquote, is not the, the same kind you of feed love. me. You give me attention. You are <laughs> you are somebody right. I like. But certainly the this idea that. um that that it I think it all stems from a fundamental viewpoint on the part of the the, the producers the writers of of a the, the only the only existence is the one that is in this life that there is no eternal mm. existence there's no life after well, it's, death it's definitely the hum, the human body is just a meat shell for our consciousness katra soul whatever you want right. to call it that ceases that there is no afterlife yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that 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 that's a fundamental difference that we have with Star Trek in, from, from although, our point of view. Well, although Picard himself in uh, where silence has lease, if I'm recalling the episode title correctly, it's the one where they uh, where the the outer space intelligence traps the next gen enterprise and starts killing people to understand life and death. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. Picard himself expresses the, a belief in an afterlife, although he's noncommittal about what it involves. Right. That's right. That's right. Well, something has changed <laughs> between yeah. then and now for the, the, the writers for cer- for certain. Well, so Picard wakes up in the lab and uh, he's got the, he's told that your new body is normal. You don't have superpowers, which would have been a little fun to see, us, you know, yeah. Picard doing backflips down. the. <laughs> well, that's to, that's to protect the drama of future seasons. Yes. Yes. Is that if he had superpowers, it would be like, why isn't he using them all the time? Right. Right. And and the idea if, you know, heaven forbid. Something Patrick happens. Stewart dies sometime between now and the end of season three that they'll have an excuse why. Right. Uh, yes. They tell him he's not immortal. He has about the same number of years he could have expected without the brain condition, um, which uh, which it, um, left me thinking. So why not let him die now? Like, why did you save him then? Mm-hmm. Right. I know. If you're not going to give him a reasonable number of new years, I mean, why are you making these choices for him? Right. Put him in a body yeah. and let him make the choices for himself. Yes. If he doesn't want superpowers, turn off the superpowers. If he doesn't want an yeah, extra long life, turn off the extra long life. Just make it like a car. You can buy one, you know, better op- a body with better options. Right. Well, it, so something is going to kill him. It could be this thing in his head now, or it could be some, it'll be something else later. So why, like, why, yeah, why, why it seemed it's an arbitrary decision, but it's just, they have to do it to, to continue. And if they're saying, you know, he's going to have a normal life, you know, normal lifespan. So that's what, even with, you know, Starfleet technology at the time, medical technology at the time where he's still pretty spry at, you know, 92 or 94 years old or whatever they said he was. Yeah. But maybe another 20 years. Yeah. He said I was hoping for 10, maybe 20. So. No, I, was, <laughs> well, I mean, beyond, could mean his beyond what would be natural. Oh, okay. you know, let's, let's say let's let's say, you know, the average lifespan at that point is 120 years. Yeah. 
which I think is what McCoy got up to. I think he was 140, yeah. they said, but but he was he's, he was quite elderly. But yeah, he was. Yeah. So uh, we end with data in the simulation, listening to blue skies, uh, sipping brandy, by the way, sung by uh, wearing a smoking jacket. <laughs> very nice. Smoking yep. jacket. The blue skies was sung by Issa Briones, the the actress who plays Soji, uh, who, oh. because she she her, she's had two act, major acting jobs. She was in Hamilton uh, in the touring company uh, as uh, Peggy. Uh, and she was in this role. So she has the singing chops and they, they, they mm-hmm. identified her early on that they wanted, like the, the, the composer wanted her to do the singing, which is fun. That's cool. So in, this is a visual callback with the smoking jacket and he has a snifter too. Yes. And this is yep. a visual callback to all good things. Right. The TNG finale where he was a professor with the Lucasian chair at, uh, uh, Cambridge, or Oxford, whichever one it is, um, the same chair that Isaac Newton and Stephen Hawking had. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. And he's in that episode also. He's like wearing the smoking jacket in his library. He's got the snifter, I think, and and yeah. he's relaxing. And so this is a visual callback and a reminder that all good things must come to an end. Right. And we see uh, TNG Picard with him, a, a simulation yeah. of Picard in the TNG uniform, which is a nice callback. And as he dies quote unquote he ages visually oh, he's got this icky corpse look <laughs> yes and luckily yeah. luckily they let him disappear altogether before we get to the skull phase or whatever they got to do there um <laughs> we, and we fade to stars we fade to stars that's right well and then we have almost kind of like a eulogy as picard is pulling out the thumb drives yes you know it's like mm-hmm. a few like they're doing a funeral there at the the computer yeah, yeah. picard saying goodbye thumb drives yeah although he yeah. and he does quote from uh Shakespeare's uh, The Tempest. Uh, we are the, such stuff as dreams are made on. Uh, that's the the Tempest. And um, and we mentioned, you know, we talked about the whether this was euthanizing data, in which we we agreed that it's not can't really be euthanasia. And uh, so then we we go to the end. We're on La Serena, where the crew is there. Yeah, the crew's relaxing. Rios kisses a murderer. <laughs> uh, Rafi and Seven are playing that game from Voyager. Calto. Yep. Calto. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Um, They've we learned uh, the synth ban has been lifted because Picard is now a synth, and therefore we have to, you know, this, which is the whole point of Picard being in the golem body, was so now we can lift the synth ban because we can't turn off Picard. He's a, a treasure for the Federation. Sure. Uh, and Soji is going <laughs> with them, uh, which is interesting that they're, they're going on to new adventures. Soji has decided to, uh, to, to, to travel with them for whatever reason. And, uh, so the whole crew is there and, uh, they end up with, of course, engage. Uh, Picard saying engage yep. as they as they leave. Uh, so, and that's that's where we end. So, uh, mm-hmm. uh, so before we move on to, we want to talk a little bit about the season as a whole and some listener feedback. Do you have any last uh, thoughts on this particular episode? I'm going to say it again. Narek and Nerissa are not dead. They will come <laughs> back next season. Right. Right. I, mark my word on that. We again, nobody. They're not dead. And actually, we don't even know what happened to Narek. Yeah, he just sort yeah. of disappears. He just kind yeah. of disappeared off the, after the whole the fight scene where they're trying to blow up the transmitter. Yep. And then someone mentioned, again, someone I saw online mentioned, and it's, it's actually clear when you look at it, the, the bridge that Riker is on is just the Discovery Bridge redress. Yes, it is. Yes. So they just, I mean, which makes sense. They've got this set sitting there. It's much easier to put up new panels and new set design yep. than it is to build a whole new set for well, five minutes of scene. In fact, they filmed it during the filming of Star Trek Discovery Season 3. Just <laughs> interesting. Oh, sure. They took, they a, they just, took know, some time out where they weren't using the set. Yeah. Probably had one day they weren't using the set, went in there, redressed it, yeah. shot it, put everything back. And that's right. No big deal. That's right. 
So uh, Data has a line in his uh, Martin Heidegger. By the way, Martin Heidegger was an existentialist philosopher in the 20th century who had links to the Nazis and also was uh, did a lot of work on the concept of suicide. Mm. Um, but a really pleasant fellow as a whole. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Data has this line about a butterfly that lives forever is not really a butterfly. And I'm like, no, it's a super awesome butterfly. <laughs> Why don't you want to be one yeah. of those? It's <laughs> the really cool holographic butterflies they've got flying around. I yeah. want one. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I would like a human being that doesn't die is not really human being. No, it's an awesome superhuman. Let's be that. <laughs> right. Just download. There were no ultimate. The Borg were really pretty irrelevant. Yes. I forgot to, to mention this. Yeah. Uh, and the octet of stars must have been created by the centipedes, not the victim race. So it was like a giant right. sign in space for synthetic life to yeah. come here and right. learn uh, that we'll help you out. Right. And it just happened to get found by organics first who came and couldn't handle the admonition. Right, 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 right. That's a good point. Yeah, I, I did. What, yeah, I did forget to mention that. I, was, I wanted to mention that the, like, the Borg ended up being... Sort of, a, I thought they were going to be a key part of this whole synth question, but they ended mm -hmm. up really being irrelevant to it and just kind of forgotten on the sidelines at the end of all like this. Like the cube at the end. Yeah, it's very strange. Um, very good. So let's. Uh, I got a couple bits more feedback from uh, Les Hammer. Left a comment on our website on uh, at Narcadia Ego Part One. It says uh, regarding the Vulcan mind meld with a synth. At first, I thought that was odd too. Until I remember that Spock did a mind meld with, remember, Nomad, which oh, was basically yeah, a computer. yeah, in the Changeling. Yep. Well, so, that's right. So apparently, it's been long established, you can meld with the computers. Uh, apparently now vice versa. Yes. <laughs> uh, Caligari Marte writes on YouTube, I was rather intrigued by the fancy visual of the Borg cube having landed on that planet, especially since it reminded me of something. And quotes from the book of Revelations, uh, chapter 21. Mm. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. <laughs> the city is laid out as a square, and the length is as great as its breadth. So, it, <laughs> so the New Jerusalem's a so, heaven. Is a cube. There we go. We now know what St. John <laughs> saw in the book of Revelation. It was a war <laughs> cube. I, I think some Borg propagandists might want you to think that. I'm not so sure. <laughs> and then uh, Kelly Brown writes on Facebook, I was mostly happy with this episode, except for how obvious that go that gold Soji was evil. The second I saw her walk into frame, I called her called out evil. She might as well yeah. have been wearing a shirt, say T-shirt saying kill all humans. Uh, they, yeah. they could have made it a little less obvious, which would make the reveal of what her plans were more surprising. It was so bad that my niece, who's five, Watch just a little of the episode, and after about a minute of Gold Soji being there, said, she's bad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, she says, as for the rest of the show, I'm on Team Zat Vash. They've been proven to be right about the synths. <laughs> so, oh. Yeah. <laughs> well, I actually, I was going to say the same thing. I mean, at the end of, at In Arcadia Ego Part 1, I was, I was like, okay, I'm on the side of the Romulans. Wipe them all out. <laughs> That's right. They were, they were trying to kill us all. They were trying to commit a... a, a Super genocide of all organics. Uh, so thank you for the feedback. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about the season as a whole. What is your opinion, just in a broad overview, how do you feel about uh, Picard season one as a whole? Father, Father Corey? Um, best uh, Star Trek first season ever? Uh, no, yeah. I, as a whole, yeah. I enjoyed it. I really, I mean, yeah. there weren't any episodes that any of us, I think, really looked at and said, this was just a stinker of an episode. 
Right. You know, and we, we see that all the time with Doctor Who. It's like, well, like the last season of Doctor Who, it's like it was a pretty good season, although there was two episodes where he just kind of went, eh. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you really don't have that here. Right? You know, the writing as a whole was pretty good. The episode, the season, the episodes were pretty good. Um, kind of the whole storyline. Now that we've finished it up, eh, I'm not as happy with the conclusion in this episode with, you know, with Colin Picard and all that, that that was all leading to that point. Um, but as a whole, I, I enjoyed the season and I, I think it was, uh, like I said, the first, first good first season of, of uh, a Star Trek series so far. Mm, that's, that's an interesting idea. Jimmy? I was going to say least annoying Star Trek in recent memory. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, uh, if going into it, but without the final episode, I probably would rank it as, out of 10 as maybe an eight, maybe an 8.5. Mm -hmm. I think with the final episode, I'd rank it probably a 7.5. That mm. does bring it down a bit for, in your estimation. Uh, yeah. For all the reasons you gave, yeah, yeah. Not that not that I hated this the final episode. It just there are bunches of of plot holes here, and I don't find the end as profound and moving and as they want me to, and things like that. It's not a terrible episode, but it does, I think, bring things down. You know, a, a half a point to a point. So I agree with you, Father Corey, that this is probably the best first season of a Star Trek series. Uh, it, I think it it accomplished most of what it want they wanted to do with this which was to bring back picard in a 21st century you know 2020 way uh you know th to give that sort of that sense um i think they the, they don't quite as we've just mentioned we don't quite carry all the promises of everything they brought up including you know the the, the loss of the board cube line i I'm, I'm, there's a couple of narrative lines plot lines that i felt like didn't get what they deserved but overall I enjoyed it. I like the uh, almost all the characters, or at least our main characters. I think Rios is great. Rafi is great. I I, I enjoyed Elnor's yeah. innocence. I, I I think Agnes does a the, she's a a great little par uh, a paradox of the 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 sheep who's got a wolf inside <laughs> going yeah. on. Um, I'm intrigued by Soji. Uh, I really like the actress uh, Issa Briones. I'm looking forward to seeing what else she does besides Star Trek because I think she's interesting. Um, and of course Patrick Stewart. Yep. I would have to rewatch it and give it some time to say, do I think it's the best first season ever? I would say it's the best first season since the original series. Oh, yeah. But it's a question mm. in my mind, even though they're kind of two very different animals because this is a 10 hour movie and the original was 20 something in standalone episodes. But I think I'd want to do some evaluating to say maybe... You know, maybe that first season of the original series would would be as good or better. Okay, okay, that's, that's fair enough. I mean, I, I haven't, as I, I've said before, I haven't seen much of TOS, so um, there, I'm obviously learning more about it as we go along. But yeah, of, of the of let's let's put it this way of the TNG slash Enterprise slash Discovery yeah. series. Setting aside TOS, mm -hmm. um, I would say this is the best. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. So what do you guys think? How did Patrick Stewart do C coming back to this character that he didn't originally didn't want to come back to when they first approached him and had to be convinced to come back to? Uh, and they only only did because Picard was different. How did you feel about Patrick Stewart and in playing Picard in this uh, season? You know, it's funny. I, I almost kind of feel he had to grow back into the character. Yeah. And part of that was the, the development of the character from this this basically beaten down recluse that he had become. 
into once again the bold Captain Picard or Admiral Picard retired, you know. Yeah. But I, I kind of felt like he had to almost grow back into the character as well. Interesting. Jimmy? I, I thought he did fine. He, uh, there are aspects of his performance, some of which are age related, that I wish it, they could have adjusted a little bit more. But, um, but I thought he did. I thought he did fine. I like the fact that we, as and Father Gray, as you kind of um, referenced, I like how as the season went along, you could see physical differences in Picard in how he held himself and how he, the way he did things. He was very much a, a stooped over old man in that first episode, and by the end, he was much more. Uh, the the old more vital Picard that we remember. Yeah. I mean, obviously he's, he, he was he just faking it. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> That's what actors do. Yes, uh, right. No, but I, good acting on his part. Are there any characters from this season that you particularly disliked or particularly liked? But but let's start with the dislike because that's fun. Uh, that, Drusilla. Drusilla right? <laughs> that you wish we didn't have at all. Cre- uh, cre- creepy creepy sister Narissa. Yeah, I, I'm I'm there with that. Yeah. Um. I felt like Narek it could have been better. I uh, the act. I, I'm not sure the actor really pulls it off for me. He's a little too like whiny Space Twilight puppy. vampire. What, what was yeah. that? Space puppy. <laughs> yeah. Um. I I, I don't know. I, I I was a little a little uh not not so hot on him either. Um. I I liked Hugh. I um. I was mm-hmm. genuinely sad to have uh to lose Hugh in this in this season. Um, yeah, uh, but I really liked seeing him come back. Um, I seven was great. Seven was great. I loved the how yeah. seven has developed as a character. Exactly. Uh, and Rios, I, I I really enjoyed Rios too. Actually, uh, by by extension of Rios, I was disappointed. At least one of the uh, holograms wasn't there on the bridge at the closing scene. That's true. That's true. I yeah. love the holograms. I thought those were <laughs> th- those those were the winning characters there. Yeah, that's yeah. true. I like Rios. I like the holograms. I like Agnes Girati, except for that whole murdery thing. <laughs> right. Yeah. And that's still unresolved at this point. She's so, still a murderer. Um, yeah. But as a person, I like her. Yeah. Um, the uh, I'm trying to think other than that. I mean, I'm trying to think of minor characters. The one character that is the real standout for me that I just love is Rafi. I think yeah. Rafi is yeah. awesome. Yes. I think she's. I mean, more next season, more Rafi, please. She's so mm-hmm. unlike any other Starfleet officer that mm-hmm. we've encountered, you know, in all the in, in all these years. I I, I really enjoy her uh, portrayal in this. Yeah. You know, we we but we we forgot about two characters, Laris and Javon. Oh yeah, no more I, of them. I love too. those two. Oh They're yeah, awesome. I, especially I, Laris. They she gotta was, bring. Yeah, you take that one with you. <laughs> they <laughs> gotta bring her work back as a couple. Yeah, yeah, they do. I did see that actress recently in a movie, uh, The Foreigner, which was a Jackie Chan, Pierce Brosnan movie uh, about mm. oh, uh, nice. the IRA. And she was really good in that. So I really want to see that actress again in, in this. Yeah, that was really good. What do you guys think of uh, Issa Briones? The fact that she's staying on as Soji, continuing on. Are you happy with that? How do you think she did? What do you think? I, th- I think it's going to be interesting to see how, how they redevelop the character. Because, you know, of course, she was fairly comfortable in her skin as Soji, the human. Yeah, and now all of a sudden she's Soji the android, and she got very stiff, and you know wouldn't call him anything other than Picard, right? And I want to see how if they're going to do the same thing with her that they did with Raffi, where when Picard first picked up Raffi, it, it oh, was yeah. you know basically I'm going to shoot you unless you turn around, <laughs> right? And calling him Picard to now then JL. So I wonder if they're going to develop kind of more of that human side again of Soji, 
that in the next season and father daughter relationship even yep now that they're yeah. the same <laughs> I, I'm not wild about Soji at this point. Yeah. Um, it was easy to sympathize with her early on when she didn't know what she was and when she was vulnerable, but she gets all like genocide yeah. at the end. And I'm not down with that. So I show a oh, great. I'm glad you, I'm glad you sent the space centipedes back, but that's not enough to make me like you now. <laughs> well, it's like Agnes, right? <laughs> we get the murdery yeah, one yeah. and the genocide one, and we're all okay with that. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, let's talk a little bit about the themes from the season. And in fact, the, the, the producers, the actors have all kind of said that there were two basic themes that they were, they were talking about. The loss of a trust in authority figures we once thought were infallible and the loss of trust in institutions that don't live up to their ideals like Starfleet and the Federation. What do you think about those as themes for this season that they've offered uh, and which really make it different from well, at least from TNG, although DS9 sort of started looking at that. So I, I guess what they're saying is Star Trek writers have finally caught up with Watergate. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the funny thing is, is as if this was a new a new development in and, 2020. Yeah. You know, I, I think this is where people rightfully criticize how Picard, even again, for being as, as well done as the series was and everything. And I, I still, I said, you know, I think episode three, episode four, that they really, they wanted to connect to TNG. They wanted to get some of that message from TNG and the characters from TNG. But the hope from TNG and the hope from the original series, what again, what little I've seen, is completely missing. And I think that's one yeah. of the legitimate complaints against this is there really isn't a message of hope until like the very end when, yes, Starfleet does the right thing and show up. Right. And now the synths are no longer banned in the Federation and they can go travel and all that. That optimism. Yeah. Yeah. That's not, that's missing. How about you, Jimmy? Mm, to a degree. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not sure what the question is at this point. Well, the, the, uh, how does this fit? You know, there's this, well, to put it another way, you know, it's, it's, it's very much a 2020 where we, we are, uh, suspicious of, um, the of government we're suspicious of institutions oh. we're suspicious you know they've they've not living up to their ideals yeah, there was babble i mean even there was babble on the behind the scenes show and in other forms about oh this is somehow a statement on brexit and this is yeah. somehow a statement on trump and all that's nonsense right um yeah. because if that's just actors flattering themselves and producers flattering themselves there is this is if you didn't hear them say those things it's like no this is straightforward sci-fi stuff Right. And mm. it's 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 not as optimistic as Star Trek has been on some occasions, but it's well within the realm of, you know, what science fiction can do. It's not full on dystopia either. Right. It's, so it's fairly middle of the road in terms of tone. Mm -hmm. And it's like. Uh, there have always been problems in human history and yeah, maybe in the mid 20th century and when Star Trek was just first on the air, there was kind of a trust in American institutions here in America because we were fighting the Cold War and we were rallying together and then okay, 1970s, we're back to historical norm where you right. can't put your trust in princes. And it's been that way ever since. So right. I, I think the original ethos of trusting in institutions in Star Trek was a historical anomaly because of when the first series happened to get made. 
and it, it it it's not the norm in human history. So I, yeah. I I'm utterly unimpressed with uh with producers and actors flattering themselves, thinking this is some major political <laughs> statement. It's like welcome to adulthood, guys. <laughs> yeah. Well, well even yeah. That, Go ahead. That that reaches kind of to a, a longer frustration I have is you know. Everything has to have an underlying message that's political or socioeconomic yes. or it's like, can't you just tell us a good story? Well, stories that have stories that have universal human meaning that don't have yeah. to do with current events politically. Like, tell us right. universal stories that. that and, and frankly, this had nothing to do with current political events. Right. right. Oh, Stop sure trying to link are to already it. Already twisting it that way. But anyways. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's that. That is what I find disappointing um, about a lot of the content is this attempt to make these connections uh, apart from the universality of human experience and all the its varieties. You know, let, let's let's just, you know, tell good stories and, and interesting stories. All right. Uh, well, let's end on a high note and talk a little bit about the future right now as we record this. Um, all production on everything is pretty much shut down. We don't know when Discovery is going to come out. We don't know when Lower Decks is going to this come out. This is your high note? Uh, no, 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 no. The high <laughs> note is, <laughs> uh, is this, this is joy. No, but <laughs> we do have that. They've started writing uh, season two. We do know some casting information. We They've they've said Whoopi Goldberg is going to be in it. She'll be Guinan. So Guinan will be back. It'll be interesting. Mm -hmm. Robert Picardo, who played the EMH in Voyager, yep. uh, is, is in... And uh, there are some other casting bits that they they've hinted are very well, fans will be very excited to see. So probably bringing some other folks back from TNG or other Star Trek series, well, which will be interesting. Well, and, and speaking of Discovery season three, it does sound like they did complete final shooting. Yes. Yeah. So now it's all the post-production stuff, some of which can be done remotely. And they're doing that. They've I yeah. mean, the, the production team is at home and they're using their IMAX at home to finish the special yeah. effects. Yeah. I mean, and, and they are they have announced it'll be coming out in 2020. It may not be quite as early as they thought in 2020, right. but it'll be out this year. The, yeah. the big the big catch is going to be if they have any, you know, post-production shooting they need to do um, right. reshoots or whatever. It sounds like uh, the lower decks animation is still going because of course, a lot of that's that kind of thing is, you know, of course, with Internet technology and the computers, supercomputers we got sitting on our desks, a lot of animation now can be done remotely. It doesn't have to be done in a central office. Mm -hmm. So they're doing a lot of that kind of work, too, from, you know, so that's proceeding. It might not again, it might still be delayed when they start talking about doing uh, voice acting and stuff like that. But mm -hmm. and in fact, uh, the I've heard that the production team on um on lower decks is saying well we were already we don't have live filming so we were yep. already doing all the animation on computers anyway so this isn't yep. that big of a shift in production methodology for us right right and i've even heard some actors can do uh the looping the adr at home from home <laughs> on their phones yeah. just like podcasters wow exactly or, or like uh like uh Shatner went for TAS. Where <laughs> right, he, right. He would be. He was on tour, and he'd just go to a studio and record a few lines. Exactly. So uh, there, it's coming. It'll be here. Well, we'll have it, and uh, we we won't. Hopefully, we won't have to wait too long. But uh, start more Star Trek is coming. But until then, we have umpteen seasons of old Star Trek to enjoy as well. Uh, and you can rewatch rewatch Star Trek Picard which I might do with my wife who hasn't seen any of it yet. <laughs> oh, so uh, let's wrap it up there. And uh, we want to take a moment to, once again, to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Star Trek. 
including Justin L., George W., Aaron V., uh, Heisha, so I hope I pronounced that right, and George S., their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue The Secrets of Star Trek and all the shows at StarQuest. And you can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give and either become a Patreon patron or make a one-time donation via PayPal. So that's it from us. What did you think of at in Arcadia Ego Part 2 and the season as a whole? Let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com slash trek or our Facebook page at facebook.com slash starquestmedia, or send an email to trek at sqpn.com. We'll be back next time when we'll be discussing the Enterprise episode, Breaking the Ice. Until then, Father Corey Stika, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of Star Trek. Thank you, Dom, and that's going to be a very interesting discussion. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. It will be. Jimmy Aiken, thank you as well. To close out Picard, Jolan True, and looking forward, live long and prosper. <laughs> and once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Star Trek on StarQuest. And remember, they have life, but no one is teaching them what it's for. It's a responsibility as well as a right. Right.